Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Annette Jett, and you're listening to the Think Inclusive Podcast. Recording from beautiful Marietta, Georgia, you are listening to the Think Inclusive Podcast, episode 26. I'm your host, Tim Viegas. Before we get into the interview with Annette Jett, I have a couple of exciting things to share with you. The first is about how you can support the podcast. Many of you already know that you can support the Think Inclusive Podcast via Patreon, uh, patreon.com backslash think inclusive podcast we have different sponsorship levels and certain things that will unlock uh, for you if you would like to give us a monthly con- contribution um, go ahead and check that out that would be amazing and then also you can support us through anchor.fm if you go to anchor.fm backslash think hyphen inclusive you can also Uh, help the podcast out with a monthly contribution. These contributions help pay for the production and transcription costs for the podcast. Um, At this point, we have many transcripts available of podcasts on thinkinclusive.us. We are hoping to be able to transcribe more. So uh, that is one way you can uh, help us achieve that goal. The second big announcement is the launch of our inclusion coaching and educational consulting um, services at thinkinclusive.us. So for more information, you can go to the services tab on thinkinclusive.us. There are three different inclusion consulting packages. And for podcast listeners only, we have a coupon code for you. So if when you use the coupon code, pod 25 you can take $25 off a basic inclusion consulting package and this coupon will only be good until Sunday November 4th 2018 so we're publishing today on Sunday the um, 20th of October and it will run for one week so Go ahead and check that out. Uh, Let us know if you have any questions. You can always use the contact us page at the website. Um, Thank you for sticking through these announcements. We appreciate it. So today we have Annette Jett, the executive director of the nonprofit Build Inclusion. Um, That is a provider of employment services in the state of Kentucky. 
we talk about what pre-employment transition services are and how you might be able to access them in your state. This interview is full of helpful tips about transition services, so you might want to take notes. Just a warning. Also, if you like the podcast, uh, please help other people find us by giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the Think Inclusive podcast. You can also tell your closest friends. We love word-of-mouth promotion. So, without further ado, here is the interview. Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Think Inclusive podcast. I'm Tim Viegas, your host. And today I have Annette Jett on the podcast um, as the mom to a 13-year-old daughter born with disabilities. Annette Jett has spent years learning how to navigate the resources that are available to support individuals with disabilities, access educational employment, and independent living opportunities in the community. She is a educational ex, uh, expert and consultant, uh, the creator of the Take Flight curriculum, which is designed to help students map out their vocational journey by identifying their dream destinations, learning how to pack the skills they will need, recognize who is on their supporting crew, and securing the fuel or resources they will need to get there. Annette is also the executive director of the nonprofit Build Inclusion, and that is a provider of employment services in the state of Kentucky. Welcome to the podcast, Annette. Well, thank you so much for having me, Tim. I've listened um, to your podcast and followed you for many years um, online, so I'm really happy to be here. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for your support. (laughs) Um, So uh, let's talk about what what in the world is pre-employment transition services? Because um, I know that that is how it is described, or I guess how how it is uh, talked about in Kentucky. I'm not sure if uh, it's used the same terminology is used all across the country. And this is certainly not my wheelhouse, so I'm going to be learning a lot from you as far as how this goes. So, what is pre-employment transition services? Okay. Um, well, pre-employment transition services, and it, it could be called different things in different states. We, um, the acronym here is PRIUS, which makes it a little easier to say, but it came about as a uh, result of the Workforce Innovation and Opportunity Act that um, President Obama signed in uh, to law in July of 2014. And so for people with disabilities, there's three sections in there that are particularly um, appealing and that, that really relate to what, what we need to help more people with disabilities get into the workforce. Um, so one of those sections is Section 110, and that means that 15 in that, in that regulation it says that 15% of an entire state budget in vocational rehabilitation needs to be spent on these pre-employment transition services. So section 113 then defines what those are, and there are five required activities that are supposed to happen, and they're known as workplace readiness training, self-advocacy, job exploration, work-based learning experiences, which are like internships and job shadowing, that type of thing, and then also college counseling is available. So... Um, there's, there's additional authorized activities too, but this is pretty new. Um, you know, people are getting their hands around it and that type of thing. And there's a lot of people working together to make these, this happen. For instance, we um, at Build Inclusion are a community rehabilitation provider, where, which has an acronym as a CRP. So we are able to offer these services because we're contracted through VR to do it. Um, we often will do that in a group setting in our own office or in the community, but we also do that in local schools that will that want us to come in. So we can really kind of complement what you as an educator are doing um, in the school in regard to vocational needs. Um, and then Section 511 is, is really, it imposes limitations on sending students directly from high school into a sheltered workshop or um, I should say a 14C certificate um, corporation 
that um, would pay them less than minimum wage. And um, it, it prohibits them from doing that unless there's a, a large paper trail that says there's no other option here. So that's a good thing. It also, uh, for adults that have been in sheltered workshops or in day programs, it's saying, hey, we're going to give you a chance to, to go ahead and explore these things that weren't available when you were in the transition age. So even though pre-employment transition is, is primarily targeted at age groups 14 through 21 and people that are in school, it can be offered to adults. And that's something that a lot of people don't know. Um, even in our state, we, we uh, have been working through that. So there's a lot of benefits to this, and I wanted, I, I'm so glad that you asked me to talk about this because it really does relate back to the school experience and then what happens after school, preparing for transition. Um, the, well, number one, that that was a fantastic description because, like I said, this is not this is not something that I um, I study a lot about. So uh, I'm hoping that as people listen to this, that they that they real they look into um, the it's the Workforce Act. I can't remember now the the, the one that it's, was that was signed by President Obama in 2014. Mm -hmm. um, to, Workforce to, Innovation and Opportunity Act. So it's WIOA. Okay. Yes. Because everything has an acronym in our in our. <laughs> Yeah, right? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Workforce Innovation Opportunity. Okay, yeah. So uh, perfect. And you know, I didn't realize too what you said about that fifteen percent. Um, yeah. So that is a federal. That's a federal rule. I'm assuming. It's it's law. WIOA is law, and so that's what's so cool about it. Um, it it is um, really good news in Kentucky because for the first time in. Um, in decades, we are getting a fully funded um, VR budget here in our state. So in really simple math terms, and I mean really simple because I don't know the exact, the exact match, but it's about every $1 you put up from the state level, you get a matching, matching federal dollars of about $4. So, so you can really quadruple what your, what your budget is by just matching, fully funding the, the budget for VR. And so now that means that what we had last year to spend on Prius is going to go up because our budget has gone up. Right. And so it's, it's an exciting time. It's also, um, you know, something that because it's so new, we have to figure out ways that we all work together as schools, providers, um, VR, college services, uh, and different agencies that um, are involved. Um, we even work with like co-op educational cooperatives and things like that to make this happen for people. Yeah. So, so I do have a couple questions. So, um, it related to that, cause you listed off about five different things. Um, uh, one of which was college counseling college. or college readiness. Mm -hmm. I can't remember if mm -hmm. that, uh, so uh, along with this, along with this uh, the pre-employment transition services. Do you work with, or do you envision um, uh, Voc Rehab uh, working with students who want to go to maybe either college or post-secondary inclusive schools um, it, it, that are at colleges, or is that something different? Well, what happens, um, at least in our state, with folk rehab, and I, I believe this is this is federal as well, is that you you really have to pick a track. Like you have to pick if you're going to go the vocational route or the college track. But how do you know that when you're a 16 year old in, in high school, right? I mean, you you may not know. I didn't know what I wanted to do when I was 16. I mean, I'm still trying to figure it out after 50. So, <laughs> uh, but it's um, so they get. College counseling gives them an opportunity to maybe tour uh, different campuses, talk to disability resource offices, uh, figure out if there's classes that they could take that would then eventually help them with vocational rehabilitation. So in that regard, pre-employment transition, which is funded through VR, can help a person with their college track. Um, now, once they go to college, there are certain things that I've seen them, them assist with, um, like we've given self-advocacy instruction to students that are going to college. We've helped with organizational skills, and that's all been built under under pre-employment transition services. Okay, okay. 
Um, and you talked about the age of ha of when uh, when students can access these services. And I believe that you said between 14 and 21. Is that correct? But I know you have. Right. There are some that are that are in, into adulthood, but the majority of of students fall within that age range. Right. That's the uh, most traditional route is the age 14 to 21 who are in school and in school can be very loosely translated. So that can be homeschool, that can be public school, that can be private school, that can be um, maybe even they started college already. Um, there's a lot of benefits to the fact that we're able to reach students at 14 now. And if you don't mind, I'll just kind of tap into that for a minute. Sure. Um, one is, um, you know, it used to be as a provider, and I, again, I don't know, which grade do you teach, if you don't mind me asking? Well, I, I'm no longer a classroom teacher. I'm more of a consultant with my, my school district. Okay. But I but I did teach um, through when I was a classroom teacher uh, the third, fourth, and fifth grade. Okay. So once you get into high school, what they would do is generally bring in, in the sometime within the last two years of college, they would bring in voc rehab and, you know, parents would be a little shell-shocked and, and um, students would be a little shell-shocked and, and they would start to build a relationship and then they would usually put that person with a provider based on their eligibility, you know, because a lot of times states are on order of selection because they simply don't have the budget to service everybody that could, that could need services going forward. Um, so, when so they we would come in like the last two years of high school generally speaking it was in the senior year at that point because you had so many students that were going through you had to get to the ones that were graduating so we would come in and it would be like okay so we're supposed to get to know you in a few months um your last few months of high school and then help you go out and get your dream job that you're gonna you're gonna be on for forever right or, or at least for a long time and then we're going to offer supported employment services which is going to support you in that job. So when Dan last week, he was talking about there's, a, there's only 15% of people with disabilities that are employed. Well, for people in the transition age, it's even bleaker than that, okay? We do something called um, youth one-year-out phone calls um, here in Kentucky, and it's run through our said, But um, they'll do those, and um, we don't have all of the – the data in from this past year because it takes a while to compile it and that kind of thing. But the year before, two, let's go two years back, and 13.9% of the people that had graduated high school with a 504 or an IEP, and again, it's a sample because you can't get in touch with everybody one year out of high school, but it's a sample. But 13.9% of the people still had jobs or had jobs, okay? The year after that, which was the, the most recent data, 6% had it. So something was going not in the right direction there, you know. So what? So now we have free employment transition services, and I hope that in, you know, I think it will take a while to catch on and, and to really be used in a collaborative manner to where it's going to help that student so much. But we want to see those numbers go up and up and up and up. And I feel very passionate about that transition age. My daughter's 13, but when I started in this, I was she was six, okay? So in, in what, five years, she's going to be 18 and ready for the workforce. And I'm hoping by then that we've seen some real improvement in, um, in outcomes for people. And as part of that, I think pre-employment transition can be a huge factor in that. Right. Um, I, I have a question about how I know that this is how this is how it's playing out in Kentucky as far mm -hmm. and 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 you being a provider of employment services in Kentucky but are there other in other states because we have we have people who are listening from all over the country yeah. um, how would they how would they know if their state um, has any sort of employment services uh, or, I guess, pre-employment transition services available in their state? Like, where would they find that information out? Well, first off, 
I would check with the school because it does say in the regulations that, you know, VR is supposed to coordinate with the LEAs or local educational agencies. So I would check with the school and see what they're getting there. However, I would make sure that if there, like, there are CRPs like ourselves um, at Build Inclusion that are out there offering it in the community as well because, You've got spring break, you've got summer vacation, um, you've got Christmas vacation, you've got after school. What's happening then? What's happening when the job coaches or the people that are teaching this aren't teaching this at those times? If you want to keep your student or your child engaged, it would be a good way to, to kind of connect with a group that's outside of school as well. And sometimes, we, like I think I told you, but we go into the school. So, that's the best of both worlds because we're going to be the ones that are there when school stops. And I think that a lot of parents get caught off guard. A lot of, um, a lot of students, a lot of job seekers, a lot of young adults, they get caught off guard because now all of a sudden I don't, I don't go to school eight hours a day and I need to get a job. And how do I do that? So another benefit of starting with students so young and being able to offer this service, these services at 14, and up is that we are building that relationship with these um, these these um, young people at this time. So, who would you feel more comfortable with? Somebody you've been working with for five years, or somebody that walked in your senior year of high school and said, "I'm going to go help you find a job." I mean, it just it makes sense. Um, it makes sense from that level because we're, we've got that trust, and we we've also seen these students in multiple different scenarios. I mean. Our particular curriculum that I created, um, we use a lot of uh, team building and self-esteem activities, and, and we we dive into self-awareness and goal setting through self-determination and all of this type of thing. And so you get to see people in their comfort zone, out of their comfort zone, and that really translates well to the workplace because you would kind of know a little bit better about what type of environment is going to make that person more successful in. So my advice, and it, and I and I, I say this in Kentucky too. Uh, my advice to anybody that's at a school level doing pre-employment transition services is get a CRP involved. Get somebody involved that's going to be able to take that student from high school into adulthood because the teachers aren't going to be there. The job coaches that are at the high school level aren't going to be there when that student graduates. And so they're still going to need that support. They're still going to need facilitation. In many cases, they're going to need the whole discovery process, which um, are you familiar with that, what, what discovery is? Uh, I mean, I can kind of infer <laughs> but I don't. I don't know if there's a <laughs> if there's a specific thing. Uh, I would I would think that's maybe like a person centered planning type of thing, or like exactly. fi finding out what a student's passions or interests are, and kind of their mm -hmm. dream situation, dream job, stuff like that. Uh, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. And here in Kentucky, we call it a person centered employment plan because there's person centered planning that goes around, like you know, all the wraparound services. But this is specific to employment. So we would, as a CRP, spend 10 hours at least in the community in different settings um, getting to know a person. But if we already have a little bit of history with them, how much far ahead of the game are we, right? And how much far ahead of the game are our families if they've already got a relationship with the people that are working with their students? And how much further ahead um, is, is the student or the job seeker if, if they've already gotten to the point where they trust the people that they're working with and that they, you know, they feel like they can be as honest as possible with us. And so I, that's what I find is just so enlightening about this, that um, it's great that, that students are getting training. It's great that, you know, we're spending money, but it's really about outcome. And if the outcome can be changed because of this, because we're recognizing that we're gleaning information from these students at an earlier age, that we're getting to know their families, that we're working across party lines. Um, I don't know if you've seen that in schools, but, you know, I, I, tell, I tell parents and, and schools, it can't be an us against them mentality. And it's not just parents and schools, but when you get out into the, you know, the, 
transition world, you're talking about now you have OVR involved. You have other um, agencies or maybe waiver services and and a lot of people that need to be working together as a circle of influence versus being territorial and kind of working toward their own goal. We, we've got to put the person in the middle, just like you do with person-centered planning, and we've got to put the person in the middle and let them start self-directing their life and us to support them. And that's what that's what we want we want to see. Um, that so. My question, my next question is about how, how did you get into this role? Because (laughs) (laughs) I know that's probably a big question because you said you have a daughter who's 13 right now and you kind of started this when she was six. Was it something that you just were thinking, well, I'm, you know, I'm concerned about what options there are going to be for my daughter when she gets to transition age and then you started mm-hmm. researching it and that's kind of how you fell into it or like how, like what what exactly happened how did you well, how did, yeah fell into it is a good way to say it um actually i don't come from and you said in the beginning that i was an educational expert i'm not i don't have an educational background i do educational consulting and what i call vocational navigation and obviously you know as you were talking about the curriculum you can see that it kind of has a flight theme which is based on my um my last name, Jet. Um, yes, very so, clever. Very clever. I like it. Yeah, well, I like I used, it. <laughs> and that's my, that's my maiden name. I used to hate my parents for giving me that, you know, rhyming name. And now I'm thinking it's just a beautiful marketing name. So you can't really get it out of your head. Um, but I had a catering and restaurant business. And I, I, I have an MBA. So I have um, I went to school at Loyola, um, Go Ramblers, in Chicago. <laughs> and I got a master's in business education. And my minor was in tourism, food, and lodging, okay? So I worked long hours, hard hours. Um, I was 38 years old, and um, my husband was working with me at the time, and we had dated years before and had a a big gap in our relationship because we both lived in different cities. Um, And we just didn't even know that kids were in, you know, in our plan. And so at 38 is when I first um, got pregnant with Gracie, and that's when we started learning. And at 28 weeks, we had an ultrasound that came back a little bit differently, and we started. That's when the journey began. That's when things, you know, you start thinking in a different way. And it ends up that she has something called agenesis of the corpus callosum, which means that the middle piece of your brain is not connected by the 200 million nerve fibers that you have there that that communicate back and forth. So. So it was. It, it's a little bit like autism. There's a spectrum of where people lie on that. Somebody can have that type of thing, and you don't even know it till they're 30 years old, and they get in a car wreck and have an MRI. So we we were just kind of on a, you know, learning things as we went. Um, she also has a younger brother who's 20 months younger than her. And I don't know if you know anything about catering and restaurants, but it's a demanding, demanding field. And we we owned our own restaurants and all of that, and. So about when she was at about five, we started getting new diagnoses too, like upper motor neuron lesions and things that you couldn't see when her brain was so much smaller in, on the MRIs and things that were impacting her mobility and, and, and abilities to learn and things like that. So, so basically family first, right? And so we gave up the business and went in a different direction and that's when I got connected with with um, our University Center of Excellence on Developmental Disabilities, um, which here is called the Human Development Institute, HDI. And so I went to school at HDI and got a developmental disabilities graduate certificate so that I could learn about the resources that would be for, that would help our family. But I always knew in the back of my head, I mean, I'm an entrepreneur, and I always knew that I was going to use that information to help other families as well. So I think I told you, like, when we first spoke um, offline um, that I felt sorely misplaced because here I was sitting in a group or a room full of people that had had been studying disability. Um, they had vocational background. They had educational background, social work, psychology, all kinds of therapeutic, that type of thing. 
And here I was sitting with a business degree, and my daughter was six at the time. And I was just trying to get through first grade. (laughs) We were trying to figure all that out. And then I realized what, as I learned more, what a huge um, need there was for somebody that understood business and that side of it because employment for people with disabilities was such a pressing issue. And so I really feel like, you know, it was meant to be. And it was, um, it was something that, but I did, it, it wasn't a direct path, you know, I, I went through a lot of different angles to get there. And, um, even the curriculum that I designed, I mean, that was something that I used to use to help, uh, help businesses before my tutoring. I, I did some mark. I mean, I have a marketing degree as well. So I would help businesses outline their goals. And so this was just a really natural step in recreating that type of um, that type of tool into something that could help students outline their goals because we're all working toward the same thing and we all need to know if we're on track, if we're not on track, um, and that type of thing. So basically I got there through a series of steps and I think when I went back to HDI that's when I got catapulted into a into a group of people that were like minded and I started I started finding my people. Mm, Yeah. That understood me. And and the thing is, is that my daughter was not diagnosed with autism or Down syndrome or something like that. She has actually gotten a cerebral palsy diagnosis since then, um, which at 12 though. (laughs) So, um, but I had to find my own, I had to find my own group of people that, that I could relate to. And, and that was a difficult thing, but I think it helped me to stretch and to, and to just really dive into getting as much knowledge in, in the field that I could. Um, so. Yeah. I love that. I, I love that. Go ahead. Uh, no, I was going to say, I just, I love that story. I love your story because it's, it sounds to me like everything you've done, um, in in your career has built upon the the last thing so you know you you started in in catering and in the restaurant business and then you 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 had your daughter and then you um you went back to school to get more resources and now and you created your curriculum and so it's just kind of like one after Mm -hmm. another after another has built to where you are now so i and, I, and and including finding your communities, which which I think is is so important. And and I appreciate that. And you know, one thing that I want to do now is like it's it's bigger than I ever had thought it would be, because plans for the future can include helping other organizations really strategize so that they're maximizing these benefits of pre employment transition services to enhance their discovery and help support people better in employment for the future. So while I was just thinking I was going to help a few families, I mean, this is, it, it really has just kind of built on and on and on. And now, you know, I'm invited into other, other places and other places in Kentucky and other, you know, talking to people outside of the state and, you know, how about how to do this better because I'm experiencing it. And, um, through multiple lenses and um it's a really exciting thing when um when you when you start finding i think what you're i really feel like this is you know it's like it's like dan can you imagine him as anything else but a filmmaker but he didn't just start there he started with you know he had a subject that he was very passionate about and and there was a personal connection. And so he's become better and better and better at what he does because of that, you know, and because he knows it. And so who knows what the future holds for all of us. And I think same thing for you. Like I said, I've I've followed you for a long time and I know you started out smaller and, and now you're in educational consulting and you're changing, you're changing people's perspective on inclusion all over the place. And that's so important. So thank you for what you did. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, th- thank you for this discussion. And uh, I know that you referenced um, the conversation we had with uh, Dan Habib. Um, so if you're listening and want more information about Dan Habib and um, his films, and specifically Intelligent Lives, uh, that is check the podcast feed, and that is in there for you to uh, check out. And I know 
you had mentioned, and we're, we're plugging Dan Habib right now. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but if, because uh, you had mentioned that um, uh, it's the film will be screened in Kentucky. Is that right? Right. So through our nonprofit, we, we bought, there was, there's a kit that you can buy that where you can actually take it into the community and show it. And it comes with discussion points and, and also for shorter films as well. But Intelligent Life, this is a new film. And I found out about that three years ago at, when I was at National Tash. And I actually, when I met Dan, I, you know, actually, actually teared up because he, he had had a major influence on me becoming a parent advocate. And now I consider myself more of an activist. Um, and, um, but, you know, that's the kind of thing you need is when you're a parent and you, and you don't have a guide and you see something like the movie, including Samuel, you know, it really can change your whole, your whole per- trajectory. And that's what happened with me. So I'm tearing up now too, <laughs> but um, that's what, um, you know, that's, that's what has to happen to create community and to change perspectives and to change minds. And we, we need to do that. That it's a good point because by showing these films in the community, um, we get to, we get a chance to show it to employers. We get a chance to show it to um, government leaders. We get a chance to show it to, to people that have never been exposed to disability. And you really, unless it's like, I used to say, you know, like, you never really think about access unless you've um, experienced the lack of it, you know. It's, so you just don't think about it until it's, it's maybe there in your lap. And we need to start thinking about it because we need to make sure that people are, are creating incl- inclusive cultures. Um, and that's, you know, so started very humbly and just trying to learn about it and what can I do to help my daughter and what can I help to make her life better. And, you know, truthfully, a lot of the stuff that we teach um, that, that's around self-awareness and um, self-determination and self-esteem, I mean, this is something that all students at the age 14 could benefit from. You know, I have a son, too, and I think that, you know, goal setting, that's an important thing for people to know. But how do you know what to set goals for if you're not aware of, of what it is that you like, that you you want out of life? So we teach people um, through our curriculum we teach people about how to make choices um, or you know we ask what, what do you like what do you want what is important to you and it sometimes you get these these like these like odd faces because they'll they'll look at you and they'll go nobody's ever asked me that so we're like okay let's write it down whatever that looks like if that looks like pictures if that looks but that's what we have to do I mean you know it's and yeah. it, it's um it's um, we know too that self determination is directly linked to positive um, post secondary outcomes in employment, education, and independent living. And people that are a lot smarter than me have come up with that research. <laughs> you know, so it's right. through Kansas University and a lot of other places. But but we just want to build on that. Um, right. Yeah. So it, yeah, everything you're you're saying, I, it's it's so relatable <laughs> because. Because um, <laughs> uh, my, you know, my story, while it's obviously different, um, comes from a place where, you know, I had I had kind of a passion or interest of my own, and not really being satisfied with the options of of for learning for myself, decided I'm going to create my own. And mm-hmm. and in the process of doing that, was able to connect with uh, like-minded people. Um, actually, going to a Tash uh, conference in Atlanta way back when uh, was was also an impetus for me. Uh, but so, anyways, saying all of that uh, to realizing that all the things about self-determination and uh, and building an inclusive environment or an inclusive culture. Um, things that we're already doing for the typical population, typically developing kids. When we're talking about college, college and career readiness, we're asking those questions, you know, what do you want to do? What is your interest? What's your passions? Well, our students with disabilities, they don't always get asked those questions. And I I think that's really important. What you, you say, you know, Oh, um, you know, some of these kids have never been asked 
what is the dream of your what's the dream of your life like what do you want right. to do where do you want to be and sometimes you need to ask it in a very systematic way like a person centered planning or a person centered employment plan or or something like that um otherwise you're never going to get those answers so it's a it's a, a great thing that you're doing um you know having this curriculum um, in for Kentucky and for you know beyond, uh, and I hope that the people who are listening can go back to their either lo- their local school or local school district, or uh, you know contact their uh, state voc rehab office and just say what are my options? You know my student is or my child is, you know, 15 years old. I'm not sure yeah. where you know maybe they're not on uh, you know an alternate assessment track. Maybe they're in um, you know trying to go for that high school diploma and they just don't know what their options are uh i think it's really important for them and this discussion to to point them to looking to those outside services to try and get some of that uh, that pre-employment transition help right and one thing that i i think i failed to mention but you know when you go to get employment services at vocational rehabilitation you have you have to be evaluated and be deemed eligible and all of that. But with pre-employment transition services, as long as you have an IEP, a 504, or a documented disability, um, you are considered potentially eligible. So people with ADHD, people with anxiety, people with autism, people with Down syndrome, anybody that has any type of disability qualifies for this service, these services. And so and and I wouldn't stop at just what's being offered in the school level um, if 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 there are other options because I think that getting connected with that CRP, the community rehabilitation provider, or somebody that's going to offer supports once they leave high school is also so very important um, because, you know, job coaches in high school aren't, aren't going to follow them out that next day of summer vacation or the first day of summer vacation they're just that's they're not they can't I mean even just like bound by legalities and things so um so really working together getting all that in place before they leave high school and knowing who they're they're going with I will also say this is that when people are choosing outside services once a person you know is getting ready to graduate or is in high you know in, in transition, or if they're 30, 40, 50 years old, they've never worked before, and they decided that they want to work, um, they have a choice in who they work with. And so it, we call it consumer choice. And, um, you know, that's really important to know, because a lot of times people say, you can work with this person or this person, and that's not true. You can work with anybody that's offering those services in that, that area, as long as they're willing to take you on as a client. So that's something that, you know, I think a lot of people don't know either. And, and I wouldn't have known any of this had I continued catering. I just wouldn't. I just wouldn't. <laughs> I didn't have time to do both. And so for me, it's, um, you know, it, 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 it's just a, it's personal. It's not just, it's not just um, something that I want to see happen because it's a great thing. It, it's personal for me. It's going to, it's going to also help our family. Um if people also, if you're in a different state um, or if you're in Kentucky, I, I'm always willing to try to help. I actually got an email from somebody from Puerto Rico the other day that was asking me about that. You know, I'm, I'm not hearing a lot about pre-employment transition here. Can you direct me? And so in order, I mean, I'm, I'm always willing to lend a hand to direct them to maybe a place that they need that they could start at. Um Another place is in each each state there is a university center of excellence on developmental disabilities, and I know you know that there is also a uh, de- council on developmental disabilities. And so I got to sit on our council here. Um, it was governor appointed, and I got to sit on that for two years. And that was another thing that taught me a lot about policy, a lot about what the systemic gaps are and about where we need to be plugging in as a community and really, I mean, really, you know, raising the bar for, um, for what our, our young adults and, and students and, and other people with disabilities, what, they're, what they need. And so that, that was a group comprised of not only, you know, professionals and 
parents, but also of self-advocates. And it was a really, really neat process that I learned a lot from. So if you if you don't know where to go, that's another place that people could start. They could go to their developmental disability council in their state, and they could um, probably get some direction. Those are those are fantastic suggestions. Um, so thank you for bringing that up. Um, also, if if somebody wanted to get a hold of you or follow you on social media or or you know mm-hmm. look at your website, where would they be? Able, where would they look that up? Um, if you would go to AnnetteJet.com, and that's A N N E T T E J E T T dot com, and it'll tell you a lot about pre-employment transition services. Um, it also speaks to um, it speaks to WIOA and to other services that I can offer, like helping um, people strategize. And, you know, the, the other thing, Tim, is that this isn't just, like, you don't necessarily have to be a CRP to to offer these types of services. What I have done is there's been advocacy groups that have gotten grants around employment, and they don't know what to do with them. And so, for instance, we've worked with people that um that here that have already um established groups they've gotten a grant around employment it's like what do we do with our students and so i'll go, come in and they they're somebody that i can train on the curriculum as well and the difference in the curriculum that i do and the some of the curriculums that i've seen out there is it's not just a curriculum in a box because i really don't think that's effective we need to know why we're teaching these students these skills what the history is what the you know the issues have been around around why employment hasn't worked in the past and so those are the things that i can help put together that i feel like you can't necessarily get just from ordering a curriculum off, off, off of the shelf. So mine comes with training, whether that's through webinar or video servicing or in-person training, just depending on, you know, where the people, where people live. Hmm. Okay. That's fantastic. All right. Well, if you want more information about that, make sure to go to AnnetteJet.com. Um, do you have, are you on Twitter or Facebook or anything like that? I am on Twitter under AnnetteJet1. Um, and uh, I am on Facebook under Annette Jet. Um, it's hard to know if people like if I don't have. Hopefully, I have some mutual friends in common because you know how Facebook is. It's a little bit scary out there right now. But I will have a um, I will have a Facebook page up soon. If if you want to connect on our nonprofit Facebook page too, that's okay. We do have one set up for that. That's that's build inclusion, and you might just. Um, you know, want to see what we're doing, what we're, what kind of things of things we're doing there, because we feature a lot of our success stories and um, with students that we've worked with and young adults. And I keep saying young adults, but we've worked with with people that are 40, 50. I consider anybody that hasn't had any experience or has had very limited experience in the work field somebody that can benefit from our services, um, because. Um, because that's where we're good at. We're good at starting fresh with people. But I, it does get harder as a person gets older and and doesn't hone those skills. Like back to when I said, you know, summer vacation and all of that, if you're not working on vocational skills, it's just like educational skills and why they have programs like extended school year, right? Because you're going to lose some – you might lose some um, – some, some skills over the time so to keep it fresh and that kind of thing so it gets a little bit harder as people get older because they lose lose self-confidence I've never worked I don't think I can I don't know what to do that type of thing so so really making sure if you're a parent out there if you're a teacher out there make sure that you're doing everything that you can at the transition age which is when they are graduating from high school whether that's 18 19 20 21 when they're graduating from high school that's the key time to get them involved with a provider that's going to help take them to the next level and offer them supports outside of school. Well, this has been a fascinating discussion. Thank you, Annette, for being on the podcast and for all your time and suggestions. Okay. Thank you so much, Tim. I really appreciate it, and I look forward to to talking with you again. 
that is our show. We would like to thank Annette Jett for being a guest on the Think Inclusive podcast. Make sure to follow her on Twitter and at her website, AnnetteJett.com and BuildInclusion.org. Follow Think Inclusive on the web at ThinkInclusive.us, as well as Twitter, Facebook, Google+, and Instagram. You can also subscribe to the Think Inclusive podcast via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or Anchor.fm, the easiest way to start a podcast. If you're using the Anchor app to listen, please leave us a voice message. You may be featured on our next podcast. You can also favorite us and or use the applause button while listening to the show. We love to know that you are listening. Also, just another reminder that you can support the Think Inclusive podcast via Patreon or Anchor.fm with a monthly contribution so that we can continue to bring you in-depth interviews with thought leaders in inclusive education and community advocacy. On that note, thank you to Patreon Donna L for their continued support for our podcast. We couldn't do it without you. From Marietta, Georgia, please join us again on the Think Inclusive podcast. Thanks for your time and attention. The podcast you just heard was published with Anchor. Got something you want to say to the creator of this show? Send them a voice message using the Anchor app, free for iOS and Android. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.